Welcome everyone to the Iron Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, John Garner, with my co-host, Joshua Ellis. How are you doing today, Josh? Doing pretty good. Spent time with the family this weekend. Thank you for the good Lord, my beautiful baby girl, Blondie family and friends. Let's get this party started. So I know that you have a meet coming up, Josh, and um, if people don't know, I decided to pull from doing the meet and powerlifting to focus on my bodybuilding. So I just wanted to ask you, are you getting excited? It's coming up close. I think you're hitting crunch time pretty soon. Looking, I think, six, seven weeks out. Yeah, June 5th is pretty much right around the corner. We're getting ready to tap into the seventh week out. Um, The percentages go up. It's getting ready to be the last block. Um, last week of this block anyway and um, you know the numbers the numbers of, of reps are starting to get you know lower twos threes and fours um, instead of you know fours fives and sixes um, one two and three sets instead of you know two three and four sets so you know the next six seven weeks you know when the program uh, switches over again the exercises will change. Again, the percentages will go up, and um, I guess that's when you know dialing everything in and really focusing on getting that getting that body primed and ready for um, praying for a good, safe, healthy uh, meet. Be the second meet the USPC exactly in Roanoke, um, which is my hometown. So I'm pretty excited about it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Last week's been you know it was kind of a black. Uh, I felt like I was misfiring. Um, didn't feel like I was completely in sync uh, uh, two of my five days. You know, and I know there's going to be days like that, you know, but can't can't give up and, you know, can't look at it as a negative. You can just look at it as, you know, body's just, you know, you're going through programming, you're working, et cetera, et cetera. You can come up with excuses, come up with reasons, but it's going to stop me from going in the gym and, doing what I need to do to continue to prep myself and, um, you know, not let my coach down and let my family down, my hometown down, you know, more importantly, let myself down. So we're staying true to the grind and getting on it. But um, knowing that you, you know, you bowed out to focus on your bodybuilding, uh, which, you know, I definitely applaud you for doing that. It's hard to make a decision sometimes when you have, you know, people that you care about, um, involved in that decision, knowing that it's just a separation um, on paths. You know, after I do my my power meets, you know, if everything works out accordingly and the stars align, um, October, you know, there's a America's Championship uh, down in North Carolina. I'd like to be able to participate in that, and then uh, I really I really want to focus on some bodybuilding and you know, get myself back in order of, you know, higher reps, better control, drug issue, burn some fat, you know, still stay strong. But um, other than that, how's your programming going? Things been good, dialing in, trying to figure out a sweet spot for volume, slowly increasing volume. As I went into it, I was doing uh, one failure set, um, top set failure set per movement. Now I'm up to two to three, depending on the movement and doing um, a working set and then failure set with an intensifier or something like that and just kind of feeling things out kind of finding what i like what i don't like um some movements that are instead of putting my ego in there finding things that are really going to help me grow more tissue and be a better bodybuilder rather than what i've been focused on in the past being strong which strong is still my focus like i still want to be strong 
and pursue that style of training bodybuilding with the Dorian Yates, you know, guys like Nick Walker, Ian Valliere, guys who are really strong bodybuilders and train with strength as a focus and letting that help drive the adaptation, but not focusing on like a one rep max. And there's something that one day it just hit and it was like, I couldn't care less about benching 400 pounds right now. I couldn't care less about squatting 600. And even though I know those are number, numbers that I'm going to hit through my bodybuilding, it'll just take maybe longer to get there. But like all of a sudden one day, I was like, I really don't care about these numbers right now. All I really care about is getting on stage and being the best that I can be and really pursuing that to the best of my ability. So making that decision definitely was hard, especially when you know you feel like you could do so well in something like powerlifting and it's gone came really easy to me to be strong and so it's like knowing that it comes easier i almost feel like i was taking the easy way out and putting off out of fear committing to bodybuilding because you know having body dysmorphia and body image issues and being bullied being a fat kid uh bodybuilding is on the opposite of the spectrum right it's like you can't do that you're never going to be shredded lean like you can't look like that and all these thoughts go in my head so oh easy way out so like well just be a powerlifter be strong and i started catching myself doing that and it was like Nick's starting to gnaw at me so I mean I may hit another powerlifting meet again in my life I'm not going to say I'll never do it again but I want to figure out what bodybuilding is going to be like for me first I've recently reached out to a few coaches um, in hopes of doing a mentorship under them I've reached out to some and look at hiring as a personal coach for me so things are looking up with that I'm really excited to get that started um, one of the guys um his action, his mentorship's a lot more affordable than I expected it to be after I had priced out Matt Jansen. Um, he had started a mentorship program, but it was like four or $5,000 for 12 weeks. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Not right now. One day. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the other guy was uh, $1,600, I believe, for three months. And so that's something I'm looking into budgeting out. I mean, we're doing the remodel of the house and everything. So that comes first. And then I'll pursue other things a little more because obviously – you can't um, bodybuild or do anything else if you don't have a place to live or you know prep your food so <laughs> yeah that's true too considering considering you don't even have food to prep right now you went to the store they don't even have your chicken oh yeah i don't know if anybody else ever runs into this issue when you're set to meal prep and you go get your food try to buy your food and you roll up to the store and they're out of what you need whether it's cream of rice, chicken, or whatever it is you're getting, it just happened to be there out of chicken today. So I gotta go hunt down a store after the podcast and find uh, find some chicken. <laughs> so as far as what we're gonna be discussing today, we want to talk a little bit about some common fitness mistakes that you guys may or may not be making. We don't want anyone to feel objectified, like oh, this is towards you and aimed at you. But if the shoe fits, you should probably pick it up and wear it. And if you're questioning, are they talking about me right now? We're not inherently thinking about you most likely, but it may be something you realize you need to change in what you're doing. So, Josh, go ahead and kick us off. What's something that you see a lot of people do in the gym that is maybe accepted by a lot of people or maybe it's just somebody you've seen doing it, frequently multiple people doing it, and you feel it's not the most optimal or a very good way to go about things? Um, well, me as a trainer um, myself, there's many things that – you know, are obvious for us, you know, as trainers or myself as trainers um, or even clients that I train over a period of time because things become second nature. Things become, you know, something that you can you can recognize almost immediately. You know, if someone's, you know, if their knees are locked in place in a movement or they're not engaging their core, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the biggest things that, you know, I've noticed that seems to be okay or, is 
something that a good majority of you know your gym pop that go to a facility or go to a gym or franchise more franchise labeled um, is the lack of deliverance when it comes to doing a movement or either you know the form the technique is just terrible you know there's there's really no engaging there's basically you know down and up and that's it there's no form it's just push it's just pull there's no bracing there's no engaging so my thing is technique that's that's one thing that stands out the most um to me in any facility even some of your you know big ends they really focus training you know um, an athlete such as a power or, or someone that's in an athlete that's training for school sports you know because you need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it most people just aimlessly flail about with dumbbells barbells cables the whole nine it's like you're really not doing anything positive for yourself in most cases, you're aiming to injure yourself, and you don't even know it. With that, what are some movements that you see that are maybe um, overvalued, or oh, what's the word I'm looking? Not overvalued, but all right, I can't do the right word, but you get what I mean. People just swear by it; they love the movement, and you just, for you personally, what's one that you think that people should just probably not do and move on to something else? Uh, well, I feel like a good majority of people, squatting needs to be done, okay? Squatting is a form that should be practiced, that should be able to become something that is second nature for somebody. Um, so if I had to tell someone that they needed to let something go oh well I don't squat because my knees hurt or I don't squat because my back hurts I feel like letting the, letting the excuses go first okay but as far as a specific movement I feel like you know an upright row um, I feel like that's something that could be limited for your gen pop um I feel all exercises and all movements are required for something somewhere. Yeah, there's always um, a time and place for just about anything. But I find, like, for example, the one that pops in my head is um, I, I recently started um, as a Axe and Sledge ambassador. So now I get a discount code and work with the company because I've been using their products for a while. And on their Facebook group, there is um, a row challenge going on. And the row that they're doing is a lot of you probably done it. You take the landmine, the barbell, and the landmine attachment – you put on the close grip row, you hook it underneath the barbell, you stand over the bar, and you row it to you. Well, inherently, the movement isn't bad. You'll see the way that most, I would say the majority of people do it, even some high caliber like elite bodybuilders, the way they do it, the purpose of the movement is to bias the lat and train your back, train your lat. But when you watch someone do this, really watch people do that movement, you'll notice it's shoulders and biceps doing almost the entirety of the movement and a short, small, very small range of motion in the lat. They're basically extending their arms and bending their arms and just lightly engaging their back. You may feel a burn, you may feel a pump, but when you really watch the movement, if 
what's needed to grow is a loaded stretch and contraction of a movement. You're not really getting that through any sort of range of motion in that row. And um, I'll even try to make a video about this and kind of discuss it coming up here soon of why I think the movement could be swapped out or how it should be done if you're going to do it and make sure you're doing it correctly. Because that's one I probably see people definitely overload the weight on and just go at and with no engagement. Like you were saying, they just fling weight around and they're not really training anything. They're just causing fatigue. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, again, each movement has its place. Each exercise holds value somewhere. But really, if you're not doing as you state, focusing on lat engagement and allowing your shoulders and biceps to do the minimal work that is required of them in that movement, you know, then they don't need to do that movement. If they don't want to take control of the weight, if they don't want to, you know, lift it and lower it, you know, by their own doing, then they don't need to do it regardless of what it is. Ultimately, they need to understand what they're doing, when they're doing it, and why they're doing it. For us, we don't ever want to see anybody do anything wrong. You know, but not not everybody is going to feel like, you know, your view is the right way to do it or the wrong way to do it. Well, that's 100% true because, I mean, there's bodybuilders. You look at guys like Branch Warren. Branch Warren was a tremendous bodybuilder. But you watch him work out, and, man, you wonder how he still bodybuilds or lifts weights because he's had a lot of injuries. He's torn a lot of things and never changed how he did it. And it worked for him to get big, but you also look at the injuries he's come had happened to him and his workout partners and things like that technique and he's just throwing weight around there's no engagement and his ligaments have been messed up so that brings us to a point that i was thinking with common fitness mistakes that i see is a lack of intent and self-accountability if you can't hold yourself accountable to drop the ego and do a movement the correct way you're leaving gains and progress on the table because if you're doing four plates on a movement with trash form if you knock it down to three with perfect form or two plates with perfect form you're going to get more out of that two plates now there's a time and place to have some variance in technique you have to find what works for you but those things should not compromise your spine your joints to any extensive risk of injury and a lot of people will risk injury and you have to think risk versus reward with the movement the way you're doing it is very risky you probably shouldn't be doing it that way or be sh- shouldn't be doing that movement if you keep getting hurt or feel like it's causing an injury yeah i've noticed over over the years of me training clients especially ones that are you know never been on a normal regimen um you know working into adherence to a program getting involved in um, allowing that it become part of their life you know, their lifestyle, uh, not just a couple uh, minutes, moments, hours that's been in the gym, but more importantly, what's done outside of the gym. Um, when you give them cues or when you say, okay, show me something that you do, then they, they do it and they flail about. They Again, you don't do it with intent um, to keep the muscle tissue engaged or to utilize multiple areas of your body to keep your entire spine secure, to keep your foundation secure. When they do their exercise, they're flailing all about, and yeah, okay, they're doing a tricep press down at 50 pounds, and you know they're, they, they jerk into it, they press it, they let it fly back up. So basically, it's kind of going up and down on a pendulum. you know. So you stop them, you adjust their body mechanics, 
they brace their core, they engage their core, they tear the floor in half, they engage their foundation, they bring the, you know, uh, undining into their elbow, and then they press it straight down to the floor, nice good control squeeze, and then they control it back up for two or three seconds, and then they stop it parallel, and then they go back down. That weight gets cut in half, at half the reps. You know, and it's and it's amazing to see the facial expression or to hear some of the responses like, okay, wow, that was different. And it's a kick yeah. in the nuts to a lot of people because their egos kind of, they're in the gym, some people, because of self-confidence issues or trying to be big and strong. So then they finally get a place where they feel really good and confident in what they're doing. And when they're doing it wrong, it hits their egos. But you have to be able to set that aside because when you learn to do it right, like you said, the weight gets knocked in half, but your progress is going to be exponentially better when you learn how to do things correctly and do things the right way yeah and it's it's a tough thing man it's a tough thing to you know especially for for people like us that you know study and apply and it's what we do for a living it's what we do for our passion what we do for our love and what we enjoy doing in our life and even even for us we have to be willing to listen to someone else's point of view especially someone that's involved you know, now if you get some old regular Joe Schmo, you know, that's just in and out and they're trying to give you advice, yeah, of course, you know, be considerate, listen to what they're saying. If what they're saying is exactly true, validate that. You know, let them know, hey, yeah, you're doing the right thing, you're speaking the right words, absolutely. You know, but if you have someone that's, you know, trying to teach you something and they're kind of missing a couple valid points and areas, you know, it's good to be able to encourage them to, okay, well, enhance your lift a little bit by doing this or by doing that. Uh, some people's not willing to listen to that. Um, but us as trainers, we have to be willing to listen to that, you know, from other people, you know, such as, you know, you're looking to get a coach for bodybuilding. You just sat here and, and gave a description of what bodybuilder. It's like, how are they even still bodybuilding? You know, so really who do you listen to really where do you get your information from you know and for one for one key thing that i can recommend for anybody is study educate yourself you know just because someone says it doesn't mean you need to do it without actually knowing why you're doing it think about what you're doing before you do it think about what you're doing while you're doing think about okay this is supposed to be a tricep movement but you should fill it in more than just your tricep. If you're doing a tricep press down, you should fill it in your core. You should fill it in your foundation. Okay? You should fill it in your lats when you lock out. You should squeeze everything. You should fill it in your chest. Even though your primary muscle group is the tricep, there are secondary muscle groups that get involved in that. So for me, I would encourage people to really pay attention to what they're doing with their body listen to their body that's if you some, don't know ask that's something i wanted to touch on when we talked about self-mastery last week with wolf that kind of popped out of my head but self-mastery like having the accountability with yourself to do something let's say it doesn't go how you want it to do so think about what you did and why it's not working and that right there is something in every avenue of life that gets mixed if you're playing a game of bowling or if you're pl- if you're bowling for a game you bowl the ball goes down you end up in the gutter Are you going to throw the ball the same way and just keep flinging it, flinging it mindlessly? So many people do. Why don't you take a second stop and think about what am I doing when I throw? How am I throwing this bowling ball? Okay, now it ended up in the gutter. Now let me adjust how I did that and try again so you don't try it the same way. But it takes so much thought 
and it's stressful thought and it's hard when you apply this to your life in every avenue but when you put the effort in to think about what you're doing when it's not working and how to adjust it and actually how you're doing it it's amazing how much you learn about yourself and it's an uncomfortable thought it's an uncomfortable place to be because it kind of takes the um mindless joy of doing something out of it but if you want to do something you want to do good at it you have to think about what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right you have to assess what you do every time you do it and try to be better the next time yeah and search for failure that's just it search for failure once you figure out what you're doing why something's not working or what it takes to fix it once you get there okay you failed you failed you failed okay now you figure out what you're doing now it's time to add weight to what you just figured out what you were doing or now it's time to add reps then you add more weight and more weight but you continuously aim into find failure don't be afraid to fail you can't be afraid to fail like, you're not going to get anywhere if you go in the gym and say, oh, well, I can't do this. Well, right now, you are unable to. But again, you got to be bad at something before you can be good at it. Scientists, they come up with hypotheses. They, they go into results, test, 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 results, fail, 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 until they finally find the right chemical compound to come out with the conclusion that they've been looking to get. Over and over and over and over again. It's the same thing when it comes to training. It's the same thing comes when it involves nutrition. It's really not that hard. It's science, yes. You pay trainers to teach you that science, but it's not rocket science. And it's actually pretty simple math. Well, that's what scares people, the math. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah, the numbers, especially the ones on the scale or... The numbers on the jeans or Speaking of numbers shirts. on the scale, you want to know something stupid? Sure. I, bump, I bumped my food up to about 3,800 calories because I'm trying to push my weight up, right? I dropped from 224 down to 220 in the last three weeks. And I, I mean, I changed my training up too, of course, so it's been a little more intense than it was maybe. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say intense, but um, more volume missed and requires more food to be able to recover from than, let's say, some of the lower volume powerlifting, right? So doing that, I expected, you know, a difference in the metabolic rate, whatever. But I expected, you know, 3,800. That's the most I've ever eaten on a day-to-day basis. And I dropped weight. So I pushed up to 4,000 this week, and I lost a pound. So I was at 221 last week. I'm at 220 again this week. Plus, I was wearing shorts when I weighed in this week. So maybe even a little lighter. But that, (laughs) speaking on the scale, pissing people off. Oh, I guarantee, especially if you're eating 4,000 calories. Dude, that's a lot of food. I ate, the other day went to sushi and I'd missed a couple meals, so I put it all together, calculated how much sushi I needed to eat, and I ate about 1,500 calories worth of sushi in one meal, and I can't, I always wanted to do that, I've always thought it'd be awesome to eat that much sushi, now I just had a bad stomachache. <laughs> really? Yeah, the, the Rock, um, trying to match his cheap meals, I don't think I'd ever be able to do it, because I woke up that day, <laughs> ate that sushi after that meal, forcing those last couple pieces down, I was like, oof, I was like, this was rough. How many rolls did you eat? Five. I had two rainbow rolls, two tuna rolls, and then part of Katie's Alaskan roll and part of her salmon roll that she didn't finish. That sounds like me. Yeah. It, it I'm missed. pretty good. I'm pretty good on a good day. On a good day, I'm pretty good at you know five rolls. Blondie and I, we'll put away together. We'll put away what eight. So it'll be about eight. 
put a rap, put together, yeah, put down about any of them bad boys. I love sushi, dude. Oh my god, you make me want to go get sushi right now. <laughs> we'll have to meet up again and get sushi soon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure, no Spe- doubt. Speaking of things, so oh, go ahead. When when you're in a gym, when you're doing training, and you do see a client, a member, or someone that you know their movement, their technique, their form is just screaming, "Help me!" How do you approach them? Like. What is your what is your sales pitch on being able to get your foot in the door to to help them? So that's honestly something with a trainer as I'm very introverted by nature that's really hard on me to do and I've been focused on getting more out of my way and really trying to get out there and meet people, talk to them a little bit more be more engaging so i try to build the relationship a little bit before unless it's something that the person is literally that moment at risk of an injury then i'll just be like hey letting you know like the way you're doing this try it this way you're going to feel a lot better you're going to feel better and the way you're doing it, you may be risking an injury or something like that and i'll talk to them but i'll try to build a relationship with the person outside of what they're actively doing before i try to change what they're doing a lot of times because i know a lot of people again the ego gets in the way they get self-conscious people get you know they don't want to feel like they're being attacked people fear criticism so i'll try to start a conversation with somebody first introduce myself talk to him and after i've seen him in there a few times and talk to him and say hi to him at that point where they say hi when they come in i'll be like you know next time you're doing your uh row let me show you a couple things you know, so I come out, I'll show them. And then they're like, oh, wow, thank you. And it's a lot better response than when I've gone up to people and been like, hey, try it this way right off the bat. Because most of those times I turn around, they do it the same way they were doing it a minute ago. And they're basically telling me F off. And they get a little frustrated. But Okay. There, there's a re- Okay, so you said that you want to, uh, you know, pretty much uh, create a rapport with these people before you actually give them uh, insight. What happens if the fact that you're waiting to build that rapport is that set or is that rep or is that movement that causes them to have an injury, you know, and the, the reason I asked that question is strictly because of what you said. A lot of people, you know, they're afraid of, you know, rejection, criticism. Uh, a lot of people want to know that what they're doing is the right thing. Also, a lot of people are very intimidated in the gym. Um, especially ones that are uneducated um, or not as knowledgeable with exercises, with equipment, how it's used. You know, because working out and track, it, there's a lot to it, and people really don't get it. And until you study it and apply it, you wouldn't realize it. You know, and when you put all the elements together, it's amazing, you know, to, to really feel and know the difference that training the right way can do for you so the reason i ask is because normally what i would do with a client or a potential client or someone that's training in a gym and i can just tell just a few minor cues or a few pinpoints and it would change their lift and they would feel better about it so i'll walk up to people immediately especially if now if their form is terrible i tell them hey, look, you are really going to get hurt if we don't fix that, <laughs> you know, because ultimately that's exactly what what is going to happen. Do you find so, that people get rude with you when you come up to them like that, or do you normally get a pretty good response? Okay, so I used to, okay, I used to, and I'm going to tell you, that's, I walk up to people, and I the first thing that I ask them is if they're open to advice. You know, hey, how you doing today? Look, I don't mean to intrude on your training or your workout, but are you open to some advice? 
You know, and I actually got a better response, you know, asking someone if they were willing to receive what I had to offer instead of kind of just throwing it at them or not offering it to them. You know what I mean? I, I like that a lot. Yeah, I feel like that would be accepted a lot better by um, a lot of different people that I've met and talked to. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives them an option. And, it, and it's more receiving, really. Because it's like, well, if they feel like they know what they're doing, then they're going to be like, no, but thank you. You know, and there you go. You've done your part. Okay. Um, have I been rejected with that? Absolutely. But I can count on one hand how many times I've been rejected by starting out as in, hey, look, are you open to advice? If they already know you, they stand a pretty good chance. If they've seen you training or if they see how you look, then they're going to be a little bit more inclined, you know, to listen to what you, at least listen to what you have to say. You know, sit there coaching for a little bit and then boom, you can help, you know, you can help them change their views on that one movement or that one exercise or that one sense of training uh, moment with them and it was free. So when you walk in and see someone that's doing something that really they shouldn't be doing, it's not that they shouldn't be doing it. It's that they just need a little bit of help to learn to do it the right way. You know, instead of going to them, hey, look, I don't think you need to be doing this movement because you clearly don't know what you're doing. Better yet, hey, look, are you open to some advice? Let me help you out a little bit with this movement, you know, type deal. Um, and then that kind of opens the door. That opens the door for you to be willing to help them again or for them to be a little bit more receiving in another movement. Or they'll come up to you and say, you know, hey, John, I really appreciate you helping me out the other day. That really opened up my eyes. Can you give me some pointers on how to squat? Or can you, can you give me some pointers on, you know, can you watch me do this exercise and see if I'm doing it right? You know, because that takes a lot for people to come up and ask for help. It does. It definitely does. And for those of you who saw my post about talking about really positive people in my life, this right here is why Josh is on the top of that list. Because if you listen to everything he just said, everything was from a cup, a cup half full, you know, candle at the end of the road, light at the end of the tunnel mindset. Like that right there is one reason I love being around Josh because he keeps everything positive. Reminds me to keep a positive, open mind with individuals because the way that he approached that and talked about that made me feel like, oh crap, accountability, ego check. Like, John, you still need to be stepping up and doing this. Here's how you should be doing it. Here's a mindset you should be entering that with. I appreciate that, Josh. Oh yeah, not a problem. It's my pleasure, man. And I want to be able to, you know, help people. And it's like, it's, it, everything is how you present it. You know, blonding gets on me sometimes because if I present something a certain way, it can be perceived in a negative way, even though I'm the furthest thing from negative. So, you know, being able to really practice, again, self-mastery allows me to be able to view from someone else's perspective. Or when you get that rejection of really wanting to help somebody and they're like, no, no, thanks. You know, and it's like, dang, I'm really trying to like, I really want to help you. You know, but they kind of reject it. It's like, okay, how can I, how can I say this different? How can I get this across? Or how can I break this down? How can I allow this person to view it differently to let them know that, wait a second, this is, this could help. Um, one of the things that I had a trainer tell me one time before I got started is practice being able to describe how to do something three different ways. Because not everybody's brain is going to work one way. 
Well, it's like that's where you look at, you know, squat cues, how to squat, and you can find a thousand different explanations of how to do it. You've got to find what resonates with you. I spend a lot of time with clients, um, especially doing the online coaching thing. If I know it's a movement that they won't know what it is, I'll search through um, YouTube and find something that resonates with me and how I want it done, and I'll make sure it's clear, and I'll send that to them in their workout program with a link to it, and I'll make sure to note that, hey, if this doesn't make sense, let me know. I'll find something that does. Yes, and that's and that's the big thing though. Even if you don't have the even if you don't have the answer for them, but they know that you're willing to go find the answer for them, that leaves them with a sense of security. That leaves them with the comfort and the knowing that they can still come back to the gym the next day and you'll have something for them. Or the next time that they do that exercise or the next time that they do that squat, they'll have another cue or they'll have another thing that they have to focus on. Or it'll be that reminder for them, okay, wait a second, he told me to hug the floor with my feet. I didn't know what that meant, so I'm gonna I'm gonna practice on wrapping my feet around the floor, making my foot as full as I can in my shoe, you know, setting up the tripod on my feet and shoving that big toe in the ground to help me, you know, be a little bit more secure in my foundation because again, it starts from the ground up. If your feet are strong and secure and engaged, your ankles are protected your calves are activated tibialis the muscles in the shin goes all the way up to the movement of the knee ends up into the quad and hamstring the groin and straight up into the glutes your body is a kinetic force and if you can engage from the floor up in every single movement that you're doing you will be safer you will be stronger you will be more efficient you'll be more deliberate and you'd be very surprised on how well your body moves how well your body will adapt and how often you do it, your body won't forget the checklist that it has to go through. Because if you do something wrong and you're like, man, that just didn't feel right. And then like, well, wait a second. Let me go back. Okay, next next set. Let me, let me go back through my checklist. Always start at the bottom. And never rush your setup. No matter what your exercise is, don't be in a rush to hurry up and get done. Yeah, you got 10 reps. But it's one rep at a time. You don't count. One, two, three, four, five, ten, I'm done. It's one, 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 one. Until you hit ten, then you're done. You know, so just put a little bit more emphasis on your movement, body mechanics, knowing what you're doing, knowing what you shouldn't do, having a good workout partner that really helps a lot. Um, because I know, you know, John, when we, when we train and there's cues, even though we're doing the cues, there's a lot of cues in all movements. And if you can, you know, you're in the middle of a bench, you see the first rep move kind of slow. Okay, squeeze that ball hard, snap it when you're pressing. You know, drive through your feet, squeeze your glutes, chest up, T-spine, the whole nine. Some of those cues help. It's really easy to lose one portion of a movement when you're focused on another. Say your elbow hurts one day, you may forget to drive your feet into the floor because you're thinking about your elbow. So, Or the lat engagement may come undone. So it reminds you, hey, even though this hurts, you still got to keep it clean. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing, focusing on clean. And thinking of thinking of a clean rep, you know, when people fatigue and when people tire, that's when they forget to cues the most because it's getting heavy, and that's when fear can creep in. That's when the body wants to go to fight or flight. And, you know, people's elbows wing out, knees cave in, and it's not that you're weak. It's that you're losing focus. That's the body's way of wanting to reject the heavy resistance that is being acquired. So you have to push against that fight or flight. 
that's when you look flight away you look at experts and expert bodybuilders and they're trained to failure whatever it is especially if someone trained to failure if their first rep and their last rep looks very similar that's a sign of an expert versus somebody whose last rep elbows flare out like you said or their butt's coming up off the pad and a bench press their feet are flaring out and it's not the fact that one isn't going to failure versus the other is going to fall the form of failure is one is such an expert at keeping everything tight even when the storm is coming down everything gets harder they still keep that control they keep that focus they keep that engagement where they want it yeah that's where the growth is really at too you know because as soon as you open up those elbows or you cave in those knees or you round that back you're letting injury in there's no gains there it's all hurt and pain and six months of rehab or maybe even not even, you know, being able to put a bar on your back again or being able to unrack it out the rack. You know, so even though what we do is dangerous, even though going into a gym is something that should be fun for everybody, it should be healthy for everybody, that one smallest movement, one wrong movement can cause a problem. Especially you know, so, compounded over time. You continuously make the same mistake over and over and over. You get an overuse injury, something grind 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 tendons rubbing in a wrong way it may not hurt the first time you may get away with it for a year five years one day it's going to be too much yep kind of like my hip elbows hips back (laughs) yeah the whole nine you know but since i've since i've spent a little bit more time on you know self-love and you know prehab and post-hab you know it's definitely helped a lot my hip doesn't hurt me nowhere near as bad it gets tight you know, but everybody, you gotta be, you gotta be mindful of everything that you're doing. You know, in the gym, out of the gym, before the gym, before the lift, after the lift, each step, each rep. You know, it's just, it's a really big concern for me when I see someone that's not doing something properly because of the potential outcome. You know, but again, not everybody's gonna be, not everybody's gonna want to listen to your advice. Not everybody's gonna want to listen to what you have to say. They're in there to do what they feel like they need to do it. And that's it. You know, they're done. Everybody has different goals and different desires. And, you know, I feel like the main goal out of anybody that is in an active lifestyle is, you know, it definitely has to be fun for you, you know, first and foremost. It has to be fun. It has to be something that you want to do. But it should be safe as well. Well, to go along with that. You mentioned, you know, the self-love and how that's helping. So another common fitness mistake I see people make or mistake they do in their fitness regimen or whatever is not emphasizing their recovery enough. And recovery meaning, you know, if your sleep is in check and nutrition is in check, let's say that's all in check, making sure you're taking rest days, making sure that you're taking the few minutes out of your day to do some mobility work. You know, don't let yourself become a stiff robot. Your body's made to move. Keep it moving. Keep it mobile. Learn how to work with those. Your hip, you work on, I'm sure, almost every day. You take some time out of your day to work on that. Doing that and addressing the issue is something a lot of people fail to do. They'll feel it, feel it, feel it, and not do anything about it because it's too inconvenient to do a few stretches or a few minutes of foam rolling or some cryotherapy, maybe going to massage therapists. They just won't commit to it and with that not being mindful of their recovery and intentful with their recovery they again 
you'll run into the people who, well, I hurt my back because of this and I can't ever do that again. Or, hey, my knees hurt when I squat because they squat incorrectly, refused to learn how to do it right, refused to not squat heavy four days a week and got injured, you know. And if you're going to squat heavy four days a week, how are you making sure you're recovered enough to handle that load? You look at Brandon. He's doing the squat every day. He does a training max every day squatting. It may not be something I'd recommend for a person, but he's been able to play with it, toy with it, and make it work for him without getting injured. He's had his ups and downs with it and figuring it out, but he also is always in there foam rolling. He's always in there stretching, doing his mobility work, working on some banded stuff to make sure things are moving well. He's greased up like a well-oiled machine so that he can squat every day. He doesn't just go do that squat every day, sit on the couch, eat a cheeseburger, and lay in bed all day, and then work on his work. No, he works on himself throughout the day to make sure his body's able to do that. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of the things that I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, John Copper. Um, we, we talk fitness, and, you know, I know that we've discussed it a time or two. You know, you go into the gym, you you know, you're waiting, you know, the day before, looking forward to being in the gym the next day to see what games are going to be brought or what failures you have to take back to the drawing board to be successful on the next week and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, okay, you are a hundred percent all in for that hour, hour and a half, two hours in the gym. But where are you at the other 22 hours of the day? You know, are you a hundred percent in or are you 60 here, 40 there, 50, 50, you know, like you have to put just as much emphasis in your 22 hours outside of the two that are in the gym in a day. Well, I'm sure I believe you even um, commented on my story when I shared Elite FTS's post about, or I believe it was him or uh, Big Pappy Panori. I think it might have been him talking about how, you know, if you think that living the lifestyle and committing the lifestyle is just committing to four to five days a week in the gym, you're wrong. That is not what it takes. You know, if you think that that's 100% all in, that's not what it is. It's, you know, there's no off days, there's no easy day, there's, you know, even your rest days, that's on your plan that's your program that's what you're doing you know i don't believe in cheat meals being cheat meals you know you plan for that because whether it's psychologically you need it or it's because you need a refeed because you're depleted whatever purpose you're using that quote-unquote cheat meal for how is it a cheat if it's programmed you know now then you have your cheat cheat meal just means you went off the plan or you know off days to me that's off the plan an off day is an arrest day an off day is a day that you went off your plan and if your plan is to rest three days a week and you only rested one day, you're off plan, you know. And so there's too, doing too much. There's doing too little. There's cheating by doing more. There's cheating by doing less. You know, it just depends on how you're going to look at that. Yeah, I know me, you know, for powerlifting and stuff right now, I like the fact that I don't have to really be too concerned on what to eat, what not to eat, even though I like to think I eat fairly decent anyway. Um, you know, now there's snacks and foods and stuff that, you know, I would eat now that I would never even imagine on even looking at in bodybuilding prep. <laughs> there's eating yeah, for, for performance and there's eating for bodybuilding and there's a big difference between the two. If you eat like a bodybuilder and train like a powerlifter, you might be overeating or you may just 
and it may not be helping you at any means. You know, you've got to think about the work that you're doing and how to address that work. And also, like powerlifting, it's not a six pack, it's not a beauty contest. You know, so if you eat that extra food and you have pizza more often, or you enjoy yourself a little bit more, you're not really taking away from your performance as long as you keep your digestion in check and you know that you're not messing your systems up and messing with your sleep or whatever by what you're eating. Yeah, and that's, I mean, believe it or not, that's the one thing that I do enjoy about powerlifting, the fact that I eat, I eat what I want, I eat when I want, um, but I also love the discipline and the structure that's required in bodybuilding. Um, you know, there's a whole lot more involvement in bodybuilding than any other sport or competition I've ever been in. Um, and it's, it, you know, just like powerlifting and and bodybuilding together they stand on an island of their own but hands down i would definitely have to say bodybuilding is definitely 100 percent more involved um than powerlifting as far as all the elements that are required um the timing that is required now again some of your power lifters like they really have to fight to just continue to eat and eat and eat and eat you know, same thing as same thing as a bodybuilder, especially in an off season. Eat and eat and eat and eat. The choice of foods are different. <laughs> um, the healthier aspects of it are different. You know, I feel like a bodybuilder definitely has to eat a whole lot more than a power lifter because of what they choose to eat to keep their body looking the way that it look, even in a bulk. Um, you know, you're not gonna you're not just gonna eat you know two or three cheeseburgers. You know, to hit you know, that 1,500 calories. No, you're going to go to Sushi King <laughs> and you're going to bang down, you know, five or six rolls and be completely booked for that 1,500 calories because it's clean. You know, so um, for me, powerlifting is an island of its own. Bodybuilding is an island of its own. But all in all, as far as consistent, consistent, hard, dedicated, disciplined work, bodybuilding definitely takes the title for that. Um, you know, now does that... Does that mean that, you know, I stand on the side of bodybuilding against, you know, in a battle against powerlifting? Absolutely not, because powerlifting stands on an island of its own against bodybuilding, against CrossFit, against other sports in the world, because you're still putting in some serious work. I'm 100% with that. I get so irritated when I hear people like, CrossFit sucks, bodybuilding sucks. Orange Theory sucks. All of this sucks um, in comparison with each other and talking crap. Like, we're all in this to be better versions of ourselves. Now, there may be negative drawbacks to each and every one. The extremes of any are unhealthy. Orange Theory or CrossFit, you're overtrained, overworked, and probably have a multitude of hormonal issues from high accumulative stress constantly if you take it to the elite level and to people who are on the extreme of that or overdo it. But you'll find that in any other sport, you know. There's bad and good to any sport. Anything taken to the extreme on any end is going to have some drawbacks. The best bodybuilders in the world, guess what? They're not freaking healthy. And they're going to, you know, some of them die young. We hear about bodybuilders dying in their 40s and 50s every year. It's sad, but it is what it is. And that's a risk that you have to be willing to take to commit to that level of bodybuilding. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully you address things correctly so it doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, everyone's their own person. They're going to make their own decisions. Another thing I want to touch on as far as fitness mistakes go that I see a lot is people, A, not having a plan, and B, when on a plan, 
or even just going in general. They have no measurable way of tracking their progress besides the scale. They don't think about it. They don't track their weights. They don't track what they look like in the mirror, check-in photos, stress levels, digestion, things like that. So I go through with clients to make sure that they have a pretty in-depth check-in process. I try to keep it pretty smooth so they can fill it out quickly. And I've been doing that again with myself as well, following my own check-in protocol process so that each week I can compare to the last, you know, where am I at? Where are my numbers at? Where's the scale at? How am I stressed this week? How's my sleep this week? How's my digestion this week? Am I pooping enough? Am I, you know, drinking enough water? All of these things, checking the boxes to make sure that each week, you know, I can see the difference from the last. And that way I know what to adjust when things go wrong. If I'm not making progress, but I have no idea what I've done for the last six months, I don't know what to change. So you have to find ways to track that progress. You have to, you know, powerlifting. <laughs> what program are you doing? What load did you have on the bar? What do you got to do this time? What are your maxes? If you're doing percentage-based, and especially if you're doing something RPE-based, percentage-based is pretty simple. I did 55% last week. I'm doing 60% this week. Okay, we'll just multiply that by my one rep max. But if you're doing RPE-based, okay, what I do last week for RPE-8, I'm shooting for an RPE-9 this week. That's probably going to be around the same weight, a little bit heavier. Unless I'm feeling really tired today, then RPE-9 might actually be what would have been an RPE-7 the week before. So you have to learn how to work with yourself using that. But you have to have something to look back on because if you don't know where you've been, how can you have an idea of where you're going to go? Yeah, that's that's one thing that we did last week. So the week before last, we did five sets of five, 185, seated shoulder press. And then this past week, we hit five sets of five at 190. So we went up our five pounds. Now, this upcoming week, the, you know, the seated overhead is three sets of five at nine. You know, so... I'm wanting to go, you know, 195 or 200 for three sets of five since I'm cutting out 10 total reps. Yeah, you can have two, two sets and the RPE's bumping up a little bit, but you'll have less accumulated fatigue for those, so. Yeah, maybe even 205 depending on how my press feels. You know, I'd like to, you know, you, you always want to try and find something somewhere to become better. Uh, logging is very important. I know plenty of people that still don't even remember what their max is. It's like, come on, how do you how do you not know what your max is? Oh, especially when they're in the sport. I met a girl who was into powerlifting. She had, she had no idea. I asked her, oh, so how much did you squat you when you were in powerlifting? It was like a year ago. Oh, I don't know. Maybe this. Maybe, I have no clue. I'm like, how do you have no clue? You were a powerlifter. You competed. How do you not know? Like, this is your sport. Right. You know, so... and. Now, that's where, again, like you said, coming in with a plan, coming in with a logbook. You know, I used to spend hours on end on a Sunday to write up an entire week worth of programming. Uh, luckily for myself now, I have a coach, uh, you know, at Bazer Strengths, Trevor Bazer, that, you know, takes the time out of his day, his week, his weekend, away from his wife, his family, you know, to write a program for myself and others and, I know what it takes, and I appreciate it, but I still go in with a plan, whether it's his, whether it's mine, whether it's yours, you know, whether it's Jacob's. Whether you, you know, order something off plan. of bodybuilding.com or some prefabricated coach from John Meadows or whatever like you had before. If you have a plan, yeah. I don't care if you just Google something. You know, you go to Elite FTS talking about programs. Here's a good place to find a multitude of programs, whether it's for power building, bodybuilding, strongman, crossfit, whatever. Go to EliteFTS.com. They have an entire forum, pages and pages of pages of beginner programs, intermediate programs, advanced, DUP, linear periodization, conjugate programming. Whatever you want to do, they They've got it as a free resource for you. 
Just go find a plan and freaking stick to it. You want to be a bodybuilder? Find a plan and stick to it. It may not be the best thing you're ever going to find, but it's better than not knowing what you're doing. As everyone knows, I've talked about it. My biggest pet peeve is when I ask them what you're doing today in the gym, they tell me I don't know. I get, oh, it drives me nuts. You can walk through the door, you're sipping your pre-workout, and you still don't know. Get a plan, follow the plan, and just that way you at least know you're doing something somewhat efficient. Or another thing that that really that really burns me up and you know makes me makes me scratch my head is when you go in, you got the same specific Joe at the same specific time doing the same specific movement, and you know exactly what exercise he's going to go to next. You know exactly what weight he's going to be working with next. Because he never like, bumps the weight, he never changes the rep, he never changes something, and like you shouldn't change your exercise every week. But you got to do something. You've got to change something. Yeah, we have to. We have to do. Okay, okay. How can I be better today than I was yesterday? Like one of the one of the biggest things Wolf said is like, how can I be better? Add five pounds. Do something that is uncomfortable. The only way you're going to grow, the only way you're going to change, the only way you're going to find out what you're really made of, what you're capable of, or to be able to conquer fear is to become comfortable with being uncomfortable at least one time. It doesn't have to be your entire workout. It doesn't have to be the entire the, the entire set. Pick your very last set to be the one that is the hardest one for you. Let you know something in the middle be... You know, what is the difficult part of your training or the difficult part of your day or the difficult part of that lift, whether it's a higher weight, whether it's high reps, going to you fail, you know, with perfect form. Like, there should be some sense of difficult failure in your training at some point each day. At least pick one. That's how I teach you know, people pick- to train to failure kind of thing. Is like, okay, you've got three sets of ten. We're going to go straight. We're going to work off a very modest beginner plan that doesn't give any description right let's say it's three sets of ten okay now this week take your tenth or not your tenth set your third set take that set of ten take it to failure and if they hit 20 reps you know that those two sets of ten before are garbage because if you can double the reps on that last until failure you weren't in a vicinity you have to be pretty much within i believe it's three reps in reserve three reps away from failure to really be eliciting growth especially past the novice stage of lifting when you get past your newbie games. And so if you're telling me that on all three sets, mm-hmm. your last one, you doubled your reps, then no, the first two don't count for shit. They didn't do anything. Yeah. And I just, you know, with, with us speaking all this right now, for those that are listening, we want you to understand and know that this is us expressing how we think and how we feel when things um, are seen through our eyes knowing that this is our passion, this is our desire, this is our dream to be able to help others, to help educate others um, and allow uh, our educating to affect someone in a positive way to where they eventually reach out and they see someone in the same shoes someday and they can help them as well. You know, it's, it's so nice to be able to literally genuinely help somebody and then, then turn around and return the favor you know, down the road or the next day, you know, so if y'all have any questions, if you have any concerns, if you feel like your form is bad, squat, bench, deadlift, curls, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, running, no matter what you got going on, if you're having issues, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. If you see us in public, talk to us. Shoot, send us a video of your lift. 
you got an issue with it, send us a video. We'll tell you what we think about it. We mean all of this out of love. We want to help you. So when we talk about things, we don't mean anything natively towards anyone. If we talk about some frustrations, it's all in hopes to show you what you can be doing better. So if there's something you're struggling with, please shoot us a DM. Shoot us a video of your set of your squats and ask us what we think. We'll work with you and we'll be as kind as we can. And again, continue with what you're saying, Josh. I know you're getting ready to close this out. So if there's anything you want to leave the listeners with, be go for it. We're all in this together. It always take a team effort. You know, so understanding though when when you're in the gym and you're having that type of day understanding though just a smile a thumbs up an encouraging uh thing to say to somebody tell them that they're doing good work their form might not be good their technique might not be for uh doing uh looking too good but like wolf would say as long as they're working hard they're doing good as long as they're in there fighting for everything that they've got or what they're you know looking to earn and, and gain in life Give them a thumbs up. Give them a pat on the back. Always be that that positive force for people because we we need y'all. Y'all need us, et cetera, et cetera. Other than that, really hope y'all enjoy the podcast. Reach out to us. We're here to help. Thank you for joining us on the Iron Legacy Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. You can find me, your host, John Garner, on Instagram at the Iron Lion underscore official. And Josh? At Ellis Joshua M. We'll see you next time. It's grind time, baby.